Welcome to the Pub Meeple Podcast. In today's microbrew episode, we bring our first designer's discussion to the table. Our topic tonight explores the bounds of content and structure, how and when these concepts matter for the game designers. So sit back with your favorite brew. It's the Pub Meeple Podcast. like to kind of talk a little bit about some uh, design uh, from time to time and uh, uh, this episode we kind of have a cool segment. Proper Brown, would you like to start us off? Sure. Well, one of the things that we mention a lot is that, I mean, as much as we enjoy playing games and playing other people's games and uh, we also enjoy uh, designing games. Um, uh, Shuck and I both have designs in the works. Uh, uh, Just Brian has a a game that he is self-published. It's available on our website. Um, we enjoy doing that, and so we end up talking a whole lot about about design, and so we wanted to bring some of that to the podcast. So if you're uh, a designer, or if you're just starting out <clears throat> to thinking about doing a design, uh, this this is a topic that I think um, will help you a lot, and um, it helped me a lot thinking about uh, my game designs this way. So uh, what we want to talk about tonight is uh, design structure uh, versus uh, design content and not really versus but I guess that the two concepts so um, kind of just to introduce what I'm talking about um, uh, the way I like to think now about my designs especially when I'm just now starting out is I want to make sure that I am kind of staying away from designing content and and first designing the structure so I, I, I think a lot about the structure is kind of the bones of the game you know the the mechanisms, the rules, uh, main components, things like that, that need to be there so I can play test it, so I can put it on a table and uh, and see if it works. Um, when I'm talking about content, um, I'm talking about things like art and graphic design and uh, complete sets of cards, fluff text, stuff like that, that just, it doesn't need to be there to, to see if a, a game design is any good or not. You know, you, that, that stuff comes later. And so, so for me, uh, one of the big struggles I had uh, in the first few games I, I, I had started designing was um, I wanted to put a complete game on the table. I wanted the structure and the content to be there so that when people sat down, they played a full game, you know, that, and that's what I wanted. And that was a mistake. Um, and I'll tell you why. And this is and we can kind of throw this around the group in a minute. But um, the, the first game I designed uh, was called First Contact. And. It was, uh, it was, it's about asteroid mining and making first contact with aliens, hence the name. Um, but what I, what I did is I designed the, kind of the structure of it. Um, I had what I thought worked. I hadn't tested anything yet. And then I went through and did a lot of artwork and design and uh, creating all of this stuff to try to make it look good. And then I got it to the table and it fell to pieces. And I got really discouraged because I saw all that work that I did and I saw it all fall on the floor uh, because I'd have to redo it, redo it all. You know, I couldn't, um, I mean, obviously I could reuse pieces of it, but so much of the game changed after that first play test uh, that a whole lot of that was just kind of tossed in the trash can. And so it demotivated me. It made me go, you know what? I don't know. Like, I, I kind of had to take a break from the game for a while and say, I don't know if I want to do this right now because of all that time that I sunk in there, you know, getting all this uh, content together for it. So I heard this discussion, um, I think it was on uh, the Plat Hat podcast a long time ago, 
uh, Jerry Hawthorne was talking about the you know differentiating between structure and content and making sure you get the structure right first those bones so that you can lay the content on it you know whenever that structure is good and solid and ready for the content so anyone else want to throw something in there yeah kind of to one up you here I don't know how much you spent on your full produced prototype but I did basically the same thing with probably the first game I started working on uh, I got so excited about it I did artwork for it I did all of this um I mean, I got the rules in place, and I had this whole, like, lore and backstory and everything built up. And then I went to a Game Crafter, and I printed out my cards. I went to, I found this dice company, and I found all these different colored dice. And I, I got stickers, and I put the stickers on the dice. And it was all mm-hmm. fully produced, like something that was you would have gotten. Was this excellent for us? Yes, this was. And Brian can back me up here of how horrible this game was. We we got through it, I and we were just. I never said that it was horrible. I did. It, uh, <laughs> it was it was terrible. Maybe it really was. To. Like I I I probably dumped thirty or forty dollars into doing this prototype because the dice were kind of expensive. There were quite a few dice, um, and oh man, it was just uh, just grab some dice that you have, some dollar dice from Walmart, and throw some stickers on there. Don't ever ever go buy some fully yeah, produced dice this is something and, that oh man this it was, was a bad idea you know this was before we started the diy series on youtube yeah it kind of it kind of spawned that because uh, in that series the whole the whole thing was when you're prototyping a game how can you get out cheap with just stuff you can find locally and i get people all the time asking me on youtube like i can't find chipboard i can't find this can i order it and i'm like you guys are putting way too much effort into prototyping like <laughs> What yes. can you find? You know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you need, you need especially <laughs> especially the, the your first prototype. You know, like the first few prototypes. It's like once you're getting to a point that you're showing it off to to a publisher or something like that, um, or sending it out to people, and like you know, spending a little bit extra on that on on some of this stuff is good. You know, but we're talking about kind of the beginning stages of that. Like you need chipboard. Uh, go around your office and ask for all the little desk well, calendars or oh whatever. Yes. You know, you know, you like know, uh, or just use like. Uh, Use some cardboard from from anything. Yeah, like well, just, uh, one uh, of the easiest ways is to do this, and uh, it was a game that I backed on Kickstarter. Um, oh, what was it called? Uh, the uh, it was like the little mini 4X game. I forget the name. Uh, at the Tiny moment. Epic. No, 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 it's not no, Tiny no. Epic. He's it's, talking about the the, the the planet one. Yeah. Well, anyway, what they did Pocket they, Imperium. Pocket Imperium. That's there you the go. One. Why can I not remember the name? And it basically it's like a little tiny 4X. But one thing they did, they kind of showed some of their design process throughout the Kickstarter, which I thought was neat. And one of the things that they did was they found, like, you know, go to Chili's and you get a coaster. Use that coaster as your chipboard. Just mm-hmm. the right thickness. And they they built their little board out of those. They just they printed a piece of paper out, stuck it on top of there, cut it in the right shape, and free. So, y- well... Well, I mean, minus it. the food that you bought, <laughs> but I mean, you 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 get you get the the that was a thirty dollar coaster. Well, you know well, what I mean. You're already out. You get it anyway. Don't go like purposely. Don't go and don't go there well, like stealing all of them either. That was this, this is a little bit of a segue, <laughs> but um, I'm I'm like uh, in in the photography. Or I've I've done a lot of photography, but I remember there was a a real big movement for like doing some DIY uh, flash modifiers. Yes, and one of them was to use um, a snoot. Using, um, I'm sorry, a grid using uh, small little black coffee straws, and so they started disappearing from convenience stores <laughs> at an alarming rate. To get back to Brian's point, um, one question I had about this particular topic: Where does theme fit in on the structure content continuum? I think it depends on <clears throat> kind of where your 
design originates from you know if it originates from a theme you know you have this idea for this this setting or something like that then obviously the the theme um, is going to be you know a big part of that original because it's going to inform you know your structure but don't go creating art pieces no. for that yet you know um <coughs> you need to understand how that theme works if it's a you know, a fictional uh, universe or something like that that you're basing it on, you need to understand how it works because that's going to inform your structure. Um, if your game starts out as, a, as a, a neat mechanism idea, then, you know, you don't need a theme for that yet. You know, mm -hmm. if um, personally for me, they, they usually come about the same time um, or they come really close at the same time. Uh, ideas do like that. But uh, so if, if the theme is integral to the, you know, to your idea, then it needs to be. Then it's part of the. Part I've, of the always, I've always felt like like designing games is a lot like either. There, there's two other disciplines that I feel are very similar, which would be writing narrative stories, whether it be film or or, or book, or um, or even uh, writing music, and, and uh, lyrical mu you know music with with words and that kind of thing. And and the reason why they're they're similar is because there's a there, there's two pieces to both, and they all take refinement. Like you need editors to read the book, refine the book. You have rewrites. You have people to listen to the song. You change the the you know you work on that as well. Um, and I always felt like game design is the same way. You 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 write it. You either pour your theme into a into a mechanic, or you take your mechanic and paste the theme. You know one of the two, depending on how you build. And then you start that rewrite process, that editing process. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I was curious because I do know that sometimes theme is more integral than just content. I mean, there are times where sure. you even talked about in our reviews how, how integral is the theme to this mechanic? Does it feel like it's pasted on? Does it feel like the theme is actually integrated somehow? Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and so I was curious, you know, as, as a designer or somebody that's kind of agonizing over designing their game or, or somewhere in that process, um, what, what point do they need to be concerned well, with that and what point can they just hold off? Something, something you can do is a, a game that we just play tested, my first play test of a, a game I've been working on, the theme is basically kind of a dungeon crawl around like a, a not like within a dungeon but around a city and you're going to through the forest and everything else but so instead of uh creating forests i have green tiles and and so just very very bring it down to a, a simple type of thing that represents whatever that theme but is but it's still a dungeon like at what point did you decide it was going to be forests and 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 kind of that that outdoorsy uh, theme, or what point is it just pushing cubes around? A, a, I guess a hex? well, the the idea essentially came from I wanted a Euro dungeon crawl because they're rare. There there's not a lot of them, and there's not very many good ones. And what I wanted was a Euro dungeon crawl without dice. I wanted to do something different. And so that's that's what I built it on. That was the whole basis of the idea. Now, whether that dungeon crawl is set in space or zombies or a traditional um, fantasy, I didn't really care as far as that goes. It, it has kind of lent itself towards fantasy. But that was the idea. Then I started building the mechanisms and then started adding the theme within both of those. So that's kind of how the design process for that one went. But, like, you don't... Like he said, don't get into the artwork. The I have a character where you have you know a torso and a helmet and some some legging and a armor and all the stuff, and it, it's just blocks and text. There's there's no images. There's it, there's just a card that represents that. Don't get any more involved in that. And I mean, you can even take that a step further. If the game's ready, uh, and you're gonna 
you know, pitch it to a publisher, a lot of times they don't want artwork. You can waste tons and right. tons of money commissioning an artist, uh, and it'll just get thrown away. Don't don't waste time on fancy art unless it's a final product. See, I even think that you you scale it like now. Keep in mind, we're talking about beginning prototypes. We're talking about mm -hmm. getting prototypes on the table quickly so that you can test them. So if you spend a ton of your time developing content like art uh, ad assets and things like that, um, you're not testing the game. You're not developing the game. All you're doing is, is layering content on something you don't even know if it works. So keep in mind we're talking about these beginning you know, prototypes to get the game into a working state. Um, so I would even say, you know, in a game, like I designed a kind of a co-op similar to, to Pandemic where, you know, you have these different characters that have different uh, character powers, um, which in the final version of the game, those will be really important. But to get that game on the table, I don't need to know those powers yet. I just need to see if the base mechanics that I've got uh, work. You yeah, know? Th think symmetry when you're starting out. Yeah, and you, then you and then change from there. Like as you as you design and develop, then change those those things and, and introduce some uh, some asymmetry. Yeah, and, and some of the reason for that is why you're designing it uh, and you're playtesting. People are going to playtest your game differently. They're going to think of different strategies and ways to adjust and and you know break the game is what you're trying to do. Yeah. And so if you're using asymmetric powers, there's there's no real way to test what caused it was it the person's play style or was it the power and so if everybody is on an equal playing field then you can test the base mechanics out make sure they work and nothing's broken and then you start adding in the extra stuff yeah. which which adds to the flavor and the theme of the game yeah uh, and definitely don't start with like flavor text that would, yeah, that would no. be terrible i, I tried that <laughs> no to kind of kind of cap this off um i guess what i want to say is like this idea of uh, structure and th and content, what it did for me is it, it gave me something that I could look at when I'm designing and say, is what I'm doing right now structure or content? Well, it needs to be structure. So I can leave all this other stuff alone for right now. I can, I can not touch it. Am I, am I straying into, am I straying into designing content for this? And if I am, I can put it down. You know, I can feel uh, okay putting down something that, uh, that even though it's fun for me to design and, um, and, and try to put into the game, it's not something I need to focus on right now. So uh, you, know, you can lay those things aside and focus on getting the bones of your game right uh, for those first few, you know, first few play tests and, uh, and iterations of the game until you have something solid that you can start layering that content to. I, do, I will say I think it will make a stronger game. And to that point, um, in, in, a, another, in a different segment... Um, one of our one of our podcasts, we, we were talking about uh, Criticon, and we we're talking about Gary and my experience with uh, Michael Abrahamson's game Ten Thousand Goblins. I was thinking about that, right? Which now. was yeah, it, which is basically just uh, text and sticker dice and and a board game version of Zork, like the old Zork, where it's just text only, and it was so much fun, and it didn't have all the fluff, and you got to think. If the game starts out as a lot of fun and it's just on a mechanical level, like how much better is it going to be once that content starts getting put in there? You know. Yeah. yeah. Well you start you start taking that text and you start inserting icons that represent that text, and, and then you the can graphic design to make it more streamlined and yeah, and then you can you can get it to a broader in, uh, uh, audience and, and things like that when you introduce it and they're not sitting there reading the text all the time. You, you kind of start with that, build on it. 
Um, it, was, it was interesting. Everything you're saying, I'm thinking about that same game. And also, because after Criticon, I followed the game on Facebook, and Michael had actually posted some questions. Um, and I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning this, um, just to people who'd played the game. And he was worried about, like say, too much text being on the cards, which right now they're very basic. And like one of the other, like someone, I believe it was someone who, uh, it might have even been Ricky, but it was either him or someone, another designer I think it was Ricky. there. Um, basically commented, hey man, like don't worry about that wall of text because yeah. pretty soon that's going to be an icon or two. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and it was being very, very encouraging, like saying, hey, your game's good. Don't worry about that. Um, you know, tweak these other things. But, you know, and, and so I, I think about just because I'm, I'm not a designer. I, I like to, I love to play test other people's games and watch other people design or, or listen to interviews. Um, he had a, he has a fun game. His components are basically just, you know, your, your, you know, your, um, Poker cards with uh, with printout you know printer paper slip you know in a sleeve so he's got the poker card for rigidity and he's got printer paper there so you're fighting like a goblin knight there's no art it's just a guy it's just goblin knight tells you his abilities so like later on in the design process he's probably gonna get some pretty awesome you know uh, icons there and things will be a little cleaner and easier right now it's easy to understand maybe a little bit of more text than, than you might want but it's functional it allows him to go out there play the game break it a few times. Oh man, that didn't work. This oh, this does work. People love this. I'm getting bad feedback on this. I need to, you know. So it's so when he needs to change a card, he goes into Microsoft Word, hits delete. Oh, that's not plus five. That's plus four. You know, I mean, that's that's all he has to do at this point. So he's not he's not agonizing over uh, the Goblin Knight's backstory now needs to be changed. He's just like you guys are saying. He's he's got a structure. So all that content, it's 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 starting to form. I mean, it's. Some of it's there, and he's going to add a whole lot more, but at the appropriate time when all those resources can be poured into it. That, yeah. that said, it's not a bad idea to keep in the back of your head the graphic design as you write it, um, because if it gets too wordy, sometimes it can be difficult to you know, whittle that down. And so when I design, I always have some sort of like idea of what I want to use, whether it's like an arrow or, you know, whatever kind of simple graphic to, so the way that I word things, I think about that in the future and sometimes I'll even do it. But yeah, like you're saying, if you have to go edit and you've got all these graphics all over the place, that's a pain to edit. Yeah. You don't want to have to pull up Photoshop (laughs) or Illustrator. Yeah. You just pull up Word or Notepad and say, okay, I'm going to change some text and, oh, does it still fit in that square? That's fine. All right. You know, but I mean, let's just say someone like that, like a publisher, that's someone who has the resources. Remember, yeah. not everyone is a Ryan Lockett. You can't do it all. Oh, yeah. Some people are designers. Some people are graphic designers. Some people are artists. Not everybody can do everything. Some of us just play games. Yeah, yeah that too. I just play games. We don't do yeah. much else. Have fun, play games. I enjoy that. Yeah.